Hello and welcome to The Sopranos Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 5, titled College. It aired February 7th, 1999, and it was written by James Manos Jr. and David Chase, and directed by Alan Coulter. Here's the synopsis for this episode. During a trip to Maine for Meadows College interviews, Tony sees a man he believes is a relocated mob snitch. Back at home, Carmela receives comfort from Father Phil. Well, I think we say it every episode, but this episode was really good. And I have been looking forward to this episode. So have I. To review. Yeah, it's one of the landmark Sopranos episodes. I think it was kind of the first one to really get the attention of people Mm -hmm. everywhere, really be discussed the next day by people. Um, I know that David Chase has said it's one of his favorite episodes, if not his, you know, outright favorite. Um, Mm -hmm. This is the first episode that won Emmys for the series. Mm. Edie Falco got an Emmy for this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chase and Manos Jr. got an Emmy for writing. Uh, This is just... A really significant episode of the series. I like it a lot. Yeah. And it's a great standalone episode. We don't get a lot of just standalone episodes in the series because, you know, we only have 13 episodes per season and we're, but, you know, we're cutting into the running plot of this season of, you know, Tony and Junior's um, power struggle to give a really just good story that if you were coming into The Sopranos for the first time, this is a really fun, exciting episode. Yeah, you know, that's actually a really good point. I mean, it totally on its own could sort of function as its own pilot. The funny thing about this episode is that of all of the episodes in season one, mm-hmm. uh, this is the one where it's like I can really imagine it getting pitched in like 1997 over at, you know, Fox or NBC or something. Sure. You know, I could picture the creator at an office with the executive being like, oh, so this is my show about a mob boss and he lives in the suburbs and in one episode he's going to go uh, with his daughter on a college tour and he's yeah. going to see a mobster that he's got to kill, but he's got to take his daughter on the college tour too. And he goes back and forth. You know, it's like that kind of a thing. It's got yeah. like a real sort of like blah, 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 sort of plot. It does. Whatever that means, by the way. But um, <laughs> I understood you. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, what I'm just trying to say is that it's like, it's, it's very pitchy. It's like, yeah. you know, you watch this episode and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear the pitch of this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, the episode starts with Tony and Meadow. Yeah. And we kind of jump right into this car scene, this first car scene with Tony and Meadow. And she kind of takes a a bold move and just straight up asking him. Are you in the mafia? Am I in the what? Whatever you want to call it. Organized crime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it sort of follows up in a way on the previous episode. AJ yeah. had his big revelation about his dad. Mm-hmm. And so we're picking up that thread a little bit. And yeah, it's a great scene. Uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler really stands out in this scene and through the entire episode. She kind of owns this episode in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, it's a big episode for her. And you're right. Yeah, that's what I you know, thought too. You know, we just saw AJ get all this info from Meadow. Meadow seems to be, you know, the one who understands how the family mm-hmm. works. And she's just using this opportunity maybe to get a little bit more honesty from her father. Mm-hmm. And he tells her a, a little bit of a truth. He does get his money from, you know, some illegal gambling. 
And she kind of just takes that and that's enough for her. Yeah. To know that he's, you know, being honest with her, being a, a good dad. Exactly. Yeah. Just the fact that he mm. makes that gesture to not completely lie. You know, she respects it. I don't think that Meadow is really expecting the, the, the absolute truth, like the entire truth. I mean, I think that they both understand that Tony is not going into the full extent of who he is or what he does, but still, I mean, neither one of them want to experience that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Meadow, Meadow is satisfied because she's like, yeah, at least he acknowledged it and didn't treat me like I'm a moron. Except at first, he's a little uh, hurt by right. it when he says... I'm in a waste management business. Everybody immediately assumes you're mobbed up. It's a stereotype, and it's offensive. And you're the last person I would want to perpetuate it. Fine. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It's a really good uh, a good reaction because yeah. he gets a little bit defensive, but he does ask her after he reveals it. He does say, How does that make you feel? As if right. he's taking some of his cues from Melfi there. Absolutely. And and asking her, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that James Gandolfini has a number of, like, really comedic moments in this episode. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funny thing about Gandolfini, Tony's uh, reaction early on in this scene in the car is just his, his indignation kind of reminds me of like the way a sitcom dad would react. <laughs> and he actually has like another big sitcom dad type moment in this episode. Um, it comes towards the end. We can talk about that later. But yeah, I mean, just some of his choices really stood out to me. I mean, mm-hmm. his choices always stand out. But in this one, it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one little um, point I wanted to bring up in this episode. It's just lightly touched upon but we're seeing a little bit more of tony's gumar uh mm-hmm. come up Irina, uh Irina, and he has that phone conversation with her and we start to see Irina's kind of having breakdowns over the fact that tony is not with her all the time and that he has kids and that he has a wife and a life and she doesn't really appreciate um the setup that tony had instructed at the beginning of their relationship yeah i mean she's just doing that thing that you're not supposed to do uh she's being an annoying mistress it's like (laughs) just not don't do that yeah 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 no i mean when you're the mistress just just know your place i mean no i'm just kidding but (laughs) i mean that's that's tony's opinion really and then you could it, it is sort of funny how you know when she starts going in on him he's kind of like oh wait like no and then he just sort of hangs up on her <laughs> he's just tired of it yeah no it's really good i just yeah. liked i wanted to take a moment just to to point out that she's there because she does come up in mm-hmm. later in the season so mm-hmm. um, but it's nice to see right here we're getting just a little bit of a hint of okay she's not fully stable Right, yeah. Like you would like your mistress to be. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. And it's also just funny, too, when they first start talking. I don't know if you felt the same way, but when he's first, like, uh, on the payphone yeah. speaking, you don't know who it is that he's talking to for that very first second of the scene. And so you just naturally assume that it's Carmela. Right. And then it cuts to Irina, and it's like, oh, yeah. Tony, you bastard. But he he is being kind of sweet, though. He's asking mm-hmm. her about the Whirlpool uh, jets. How do Whirlpool jets? They get them in, right? 
Don't throw up in my face things you buy me, okay? Oh, well, he's just doing that to shut her up. Yeah, I know, but it's so, it's so, it's yeah. so funny. Just a funny little... Yeah. Uh, I just... A nice little writing in there. Yeah. Just and then drop that in. <laughs> her reply of, uh, don't throw in my face the things you buy me, or however she says it in her kind of broken Englishy way. Yeah, don't throw up. Yeah. Don't throw up in my face. Yeah. 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 No, she's good. I like her performance a lot. So, and it's after that moment that um, Tony sees basically the, uh, his mouse to his cat mm-hmm. uh, chase mm-hmm. of this entire episode. The, right. Uh, the once mobster turned rat um, who has been relocated in Maine of yeah. all places. And he sees him at the gas station. It's an interesting shot mm-hmm. and setup too. Because mm-hmm. um, we just get this look from both of them, and then the car chase. Yeah, and Meadow freaking out. Yeah, she's freaking out a little. She's yeah. freaking out a little too hard. Like I understand, yeah. like he drove up fast, pulled her in, and right. drove off, and he's kind of like laughing and smiling throughout it. Right, but she's freaking out a lot. Yeah, yeah. I a mean, lot. she knows that something's up, and just the way that he has kind of a weird grin, like he's all, like he's acting like it's all pretend like he's playing a game or something and he's like oh this is fun it's like they're on a roller coaster or something like oh you should be laughing too isn't this funny yeah and it's just sort of silly as he like veers into the opposite lane oncoming traffic he has to get back in his own lane i mean he's sort of uh going nuts here and yeah she's freaking out too and then eventually she has he has to let uh fabian febby fabian fabian yeah Pastoroli or Freddy, (laughs) Frank, yeah, Frank, Fred, yeah, yeah. He's got to let him go, Uh, but he, they, they both. I mean, the takeaway from that scene is that even though that their direct interaction, which wasn't even a direct interaction, only happened for a split second, but they're in such a heightened state of you know knowing when one is in danger. Like, I guess it's that thing of you know when you're a mobster. One thing I thought about was that both of these guys, they really exhibit a lot of street smarts, you know, because they both know the life. And so, you know, this guy's just out there in the middle of nowhere, but the second that he feels a threat, he's able to pick up on it and respond in a really strong and direct way. Same thing with Tony, where it's like just this guy, you know, crosses his periphery for a second, but Tony, you know, he's picked up the scent. He's on it. Yeah, we're in in, in it now, so we might as well talk about this Mm -hmm. just... um, sort of hunt that they're both on mm-hmm. because you bring up a good point that they use methods that if it were you or I, we probably wouldn't easily pick up on, mm-hmm. but Tony's going through a phone book. He's looking up all the, you know, Peters and all yeah. the Freds and all the, you know, all the ones that could possibly match. Yeah. Um, this person, he's already on the phone with Christopher running, you know, plates yeah. He's getting addresses. He's stalking the house. He's stalking the hardware store. He's he's really trying to pinpoint where this guy is. And at the same time, Fabian or Fabian is doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. He's going to where he last saw them, where he could possibly, you know, the motel that the, that car pulled off that was chasing him. Um, he He sees the cleaning lady and he knows to go up and check the chart. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, the names right there that confirms, okay, it's mm-hmm. a Soprano. Like, mm-hmm. I know the Sopranos. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm now know I'm in real danger here. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, hunting and tracking down. Right. And you're just, you're waiting to figure out, well, who's going to get the better of who? 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's like these guys, you know, these are two guys who probably uh, couldn't sit down and concentrate enough to read a chapter book. Yeah, right. But when they're in this situation, yeah. they become like elite spies, you know, yeah, it's like exactly. they're so meticulous and so thorough. And yeah. that's really true to who they are, though. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Mm-hmm. We um, and we get Tony gets the clue that he finally pins down that he's positively ID'd this guy because of a wooden bust of Reagan yeah. in, in this um, yeah. trailer, the yeah. travel agent trailer. And he knows it's him because of the disproportionately sized lips that Christopher points out <laughs> right. at the beginning of the episode. And he, yeah. he's like, well, there's my, there's my guy. I know it's him. Has to be. Yeah. Such a <laughs> ridiculously comedic moment. And it's such an odd idea, too. I mean, that's one of those things where it's just like, man, I wonder where that came from. Did that come from something in life where, like, one of the writers knew a guy who carved and, like, carved pretty good, but, like, he just couldn't get noses right or right. He couldn't get lips right? Or maybe he saw a, yeah. an actual bust of Frank Sinatra, but at mm-hmm. first really thought it was Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Shaquille. <laughs> That was Frank, that bust? I always thought it was Shaquille. Fucking need to practice a little on lips. And then, of course, Tony, you know, he sees the lips later yeah. on the bust, and uh, hello, rat. Yeah, it's got him. Um, so, yeah, I really liked that. That that chunk of it there makes up a lot of this episode. Yes. Of th- that sort of hunting and praying, and you're really feeling like, well, this has turned into almost a crime thriller. Yeah. Um, the way it's shot. It's really it's 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 really good. It's a standout of this episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing about this episode too is that it again going to that sort of oh, this is like a one-line pitch that could get a show sold or or a movie made. That's the thing because you talked about it being standalone, which it is. It's the most standalone episode of this season. Arguably, it's Probably. the most standalone episode of the series. I don't know. I mean, there's there's yeah, others, we'll I'm sure, but. Um, it's yeah, it is just so contained, and you know, there's a lot of people w- who would have taken this exact plot and made a full blown film out of it. I mean, you could have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I was thinking that the whole time. Yeah, but just the the way it was done, it felt right. like a short movie. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of that um, John Cusack movie, Gross Point Blank. Do you oh. remember that one? I remember it. I, yeah. I hardly remember it, I guess I should say. Well, it's just about an assassin who's going to his like 20-year high school reunion or something. Mm. And while he's there, he's got to like take out a guy or some guys. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, that's the basic gist of the plot. I haven't seen it recently, but it just made me think of that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this episode of Sopranos College could have easily been a film. Yeah. And a good one. And I guess because it's HBO, we get higher quality than we would from a network television show obviously it's not tv it's hbo thank you yes and we get i feel like this scene between tony and meadow in the restaurant is really beautiful it's a really beautiful scene between father and daughter but it's also just kind of unique i don't know if you noticed just how the lighting how they're you know deep in shadow um it has a very godfather like feel to it and quality to it and it's it's just really sweet how they're bonding in this way and i meant i think i mentioned in a previous episode that tony really has his real relationships come with his children and especially meadow and we see this in this episode that they really have a strong 
bond of this Italian father-daughter relationship. I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, she brings out his sweeter side, mm -hmm. uh, his kind of more naive, uh, innocent side, and and you see sort of his his reaction to, you know, she does a thing in this scene, right? And it is beautifully lit. You're totally right. I did notice that. Um, she does a thing in the scene where she confesses to Tony right. that, you know, she had done drugs a couple episodes before and he has a big reaction to that. You know, he's angry <laughs> and then, you know, it all gets sort of settled, but it's just kind of funny how, you know, he's so, he's so shocked yeah. by it. But you know, it's a, it's again, it's a bonding thing. Cause Meadow's like, you know, you, she literally says, you know, you were truthful about what we talked about earlier. So I wanted to be mm -hmm. truthful about this. And then ultimately it's all right. We, I think we see this in a couple times in this episode where characters take chances mm -hmm. on telling Tony something. Like Meadow takes a chance on telling Tony something mm -hmm. because he was already honest with her. Later mm -hmm. we'll see Carmela takes a chance on telling Tony something that she knows she has to tell him. Yeah. But she knows that even if he gets upset, she does have an ace right. up her sleeve. Yeah. And we get to that later because um, that is the last scene here. But um yeah, for this one, I, I I just really I really liked it when I watched it for the second time through, and I was taking notes. I I just stopped kind of writing notes, mm -hmm. and I was just drawn into this scene. I don't know what it was about it. It, it was just a, a combination of it. I just found it two great actors doing a really good mm -hmm. job here. It's good. It stood well, out to me. Yeah, what you see is just a genuine warmth between the two actors, and that's one of those things about the Sopranos in general that I just don't understand how they pulled this off. There's just mm -hmm. very few shows or films made in history where you believe that all of these characters actually are people that have known each other mm -hmm. for as long as they are to have fictionally known each other. You know what I mean? Right. I just accept that Tony and Carmela have been married for 20 years. I mm -hmm. just accept that Jamie... Uh, Lynn Sigler Meadow is right. James Gandolfini's daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just that weird sort of uh, that that essence, um, which is really hard to fake, mm -hmm. but it literally is faked, mm -hmm. and it's done so convincingly. Yeah. So we basically have this A plot here with Tony and Meadow, and we have a B plot with Carmela and right. Father Phil. Our new Father Phil. Our new Father Our Phil. Our new and lasting Father Phil. Yeah. Because it was a different actor in the pilot. Yeah, and the pilot, if you if you didn't catch it, uh, catch this difference, then the pilot, Michael Santoro, was the actor who played um, Father Phil. And in this one, we have Paul Schulz, who actually stars in Nurse Jackie with oh. Edie Falco. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was looking up his bio, and there he is, hanging out with Edie Falco again. Lucky guy. Maybe they bonded during the making of this episode. Possibly. Maybe she had some influence in getting him hired because they have a really good bond here in this episode. Um, but it is there's so many funny bits yeah. as well in this. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just start from the beginning. Sure. She answers the door and has to beautify herself. That's She's the first sick. clue. She's sick. Yeah. But she has to take a moment knowing the father Phil's at the door to beautify herself right yeah right yeah uh this whole storyline is great because it's a classic b it has absolutely no bearing upon mm. the a plot whatsoever 
uh, until we get to the very end. But even right. then, it's more because Tony's been pulled into her plot and not because she's involved in his plot in this episode. Mm-hmm. And what I really noticed about this uh, was that it was a this B story, a masterpiece of structure. Just every scene is a perfectly like constructed Lego brick, mm-hmm. you know, and it just sort of escalates um, the conditions that basically result in the evening that Father Phil and Carmela share together. They're all just perfectly and plausibly, you know, put in there that detail of she's sick and kind of wants to let AJ out of the house so he can, you know, go have fun. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he goes and stays out and then he's going to sleep over at his friends. Well, at, at yeah. first when he said, I'll just be an hour, mm-hmm. I'll be back in an hour. I was like, yeah. AJ, come on. Right. When I was a kid and I yeah. had a chance to go over a friend's house, yeah. Play Nintendo? Yeah, to play games. Yeah, I wasn't there for an hour. Yeah. Like, we knew this was going to be longer than this. Right. And Um, she's fine with it. Another telling detail. He actually has a... AJ actually has a pretty good line in this episode where he does bring her breakfast in bed. Right. And she can't stomach it once he brings it. And he says... You're not going to eat them now. After all that work. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just this charred mess of garbage food. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. That I was like that really moment. Um, yeah, so with Father Phil, uh, they immediately pop open the bottle of Chianti, mm-hmm. and he does have this line as they're they're talking that I I don't know if this was just him trying to be young and hip. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Right, he stops her and says, well, This Chianti, though, is beyond reproach word up <laughs> yeah word up word up <laughs> like, father phil's a pretty corny guy but uh, carmel has that awkward laugh yeah <laughs> it's just like, okay yeah, word up. I'm sure. right all right whatever yeah yeah I, I don't know he has a lot of actually funny lines in this episode i think most of our sound bites w- mm-hmm. At least the ones that I'll be contributing to this episode mm-hmm. will be coming from Father Phil. Just yeah. the certain things that he says, I just find it um, really funny. His comment about being a uh, Schroner, a, sh- a, a Schnorrer, yeah. Schnorrer, yeah. yeah. That Yiddish. somebody who just comes over when there's food, right? Which is like kind of you kind of look like that right now. Yeah. You just asked immediately when you yeah. walk through the door, you got any of that baked ziti? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a schnorrer. All right. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's really funny. And it's already been established too in the show that he like really loves to uh, eat Carmela's cooking. And, mm. and just the fact that he even has a presence in Tony in and Carmela's life bothers Tony, uh, which is discussed in the pilot episode. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Father Phil is definitely a guy who he's trying to get away with some things. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. it's, it's more like he, he's consciously trying to get to the very, very edge of what is appropriate with this woman. Mm-hmm. And he knows that he can't really cross it and he's never really going to. Just the way that things ping pong between them and escalate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, ju- I just like the way that it's done. I mean, it's just, very friendly. It's very yeah. like it. It reminded me of how you would have maybe hung out with a friend mm-hmm. or a couple friends in high mm-hmm. school. It yes. felt like a, a, like a high school n- like night in between yeah. like t- 
teenagers, really. Oh, it felt sure. Very teenager. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then that kind of <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point because I thought that too. That sort of feeling of oh, platonic friends on a will they won't they arc, and then this is the night where they come really close to the will they. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And of course, in the middle of this. Tony's life does kind of encroach into this B plot where Melfi calls. Yeah, that's a, so, a great scene. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, so now Carmela knows that Tony was lying. Of course, Carmela did just assume it was a man, and Tony just yeah. went along with that. Yeah. Um, but now it's out of the bag that actually his therapist is a woman, which right. only the only implication to Carmela is that he's sleeping mm-hmm. with her, and that's why he wouldn't tell her. Yeah. But she has that great line does he have your number jennifer let me give it to you just in case i lost my pencil up his ass i'll tell him you called yeah yeah and i love melfi's reaction too she pulls the phone (laughs) all the way like three feet from her face (laughs) and stares at it it's just a really comedic reaction also the detail that she too is sick so i guess the flu is going around during this episode yes yeah yeah it's true uh yeah this is just a really funny moment but also Mm -hmm. A really sad moment because this is where Carmela is really starting to break down mm-hmm. with everything that's been building up in her and maybe even the discussion. I, I wrote this down, but the discussion in, I guess, episode two, maybe with Charmaine. Yeah. And all of that where Charmaine left off by saying she's happy with her choice, mm-hmm. I think is building up inside of Carmela. And this feeling of guilt by association. Yeah. And um, but before we get to the confessional scene, there is this, this other moment that Father Phil has, something that he says where Carmela doesn't want him to leave, says, I got the remains of the day, and he's excited to see Emma Thompson, and she's surprised, and he gives this whole speech about... What? to take in through the eyes a beautiful woman? Is that so different than a sunset? A Douglas fir? Or any of God's handiwork? Is it any difference between Emma Thompson and yeah. a Douglas fir? Well, there's one difference. Right. <laughs> I love me some Douglas firs. <laughs> it's so funny, this really suggestive line. They make meaningful eye contact after he says it, too. Right. And it's just so, it's like, wow, Father Phil, he's, he's laying down that, that priest game, <laughs> that <Yeah>. good Catholic <laughs> game. It's just great how, I wrote a note for this scene, too. It's like, wow, they're going to watch a movie on a rainy night, yeah. they've been drinking, they're alone. Just beat by beat, the conditions just become riper and mm-hmm. riper for them to hook up yes. that night. And it just made me smile because I was like, oh, wow, they're literally now going to like DVD and chill. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With that new DVD that right. Tony got right off the back of the truck. A lot of DVD talk in season one. There is DVDs a were a big deal in 1999. Big, Shout out big Matrix. Deal. Big, big deal. <laughs> Shout out Matrix. I just remember the Matrix DVD was like, for whatever reason, it was like DVDs have arrived because the Matrix has all these special features. <laughs> I, If you'll permit me, mm-hmm. there's one other quoted moment of father phil's and actually carmela's Mm -hmm. where he's telling her that 
all of Chrysane's add up to two hours mm-hmm. of talk. Mm-hmm. And she's heard the same thing that... No, but wait, I heard the same thing about the Beatles. Except it was if you add up all their songs, it only comes to 10 hours. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. yeah, I made a good insight there. Made a good point. Yeah, well, I think most Beatles fans would agree. Yes. I have no... Yeah. I have no problem with that yeah. as I'm sitting here wearing a Beatles shirt. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you are wearing a Beatles shirt. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that the the, the gospel of the Beatles albums uh, it, you, you, is equivalent, uh, if not more significant, <laughs> to, are you trying to human a, existence are you trying to than make the a, words of a, Christ. A John Lennon, uh, the Beatles are greater than yeah. reference, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I again, it's just like really good writing and, and how this is all playing out to lead up to the confessional scene um, between Carmela and Father Phil. This is amazing. This is amazing work by Edie Falco mm-hmm. and is all the reason why she deserved that Emmy for this season um, right here. And it's that feeling of guilt by association that she mm-hmm. has, that she wanted all these nice things. She wanted a nice house. She wanted her kids to go to a good school. And she took the easy way instead of the way that might have been right but difficult. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the classic mob wife rationalization. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great, you know, because you can hold that up side by side with Tony's rationalization as to why he got into mm. the organization. Oh, yeah. You know? They do have that scene here yeah. in the Meadow. Yeah, in the yeah. And Tony scene. explains it. You know, it's like... In a way, I don't think he uses the exact words, I took the easy way out, but he sort oh no, actually, I think he sort of does. You know, I put food on the table. My father was in it. My uncle was in it. Maybe I was too lazy to think for myself. Considered myself a rebel. Maybe being a rebel in my family would have been selling patio furniture on Room 22. That's kind of cool that in this episode, you get both of their rationalizations for pursuing uh, and benefiting from the ill-gotten gains Mm -hmm. of mafia life. Yeah. Her whole being in this scene, Edie Falco's, um, is just a testament to how good she really is at this Mm -hmm. acting thing. Uh, Yeah, she's kind of a good actress, Edie Falco. Just all of it, all, all the beats, all the points... Any actors out there could look at look at to this scene for cues as to um, how to really nail a, mm-hmm. a good a good like dramatic scene. She's she's just yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's fun too because she hits so many different notes. You know, lighter funny notes, heavy dramatic. Mm-hmm. Everything in between, you know, you can definitely see again why she got the Emmy for this episode specifically. Yeah, you know, because it's such a showcase for for her to kind of uh, deploy all of her weapons as an actress. Yeah. What did you think about the uh, hypersexualized communion scene? Right. Yeah, because that's all it was, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's standing above her. Yeah, he's... her face is at crotch level yes and he's planting the the wafer right on her tongue with a fireplace in the background and drinking the wine and he gulps down the rest and places Mm. his hand on her head it's just all very um it's this is now it's basically hitting that 
point, that crest mm-hmm. that we've been building up to, mm-hmm. uh, nah, something's going to happen. They've been drinking yeah. way too much wine. Yeah, right. It's Yeah, it's like it's all <laughs> – it, it plays out, you know, like a soft core <laughs> – porn scene yeah even though they both have all of their clothes on uh you know i half expected to hear some jazzy sax in the (laughs) background and then what happens ultimately you know when they get to that point uh you know right after aj calls and says i'm not coming home tonight you know or ask permission or whatever and she's like yeah that's fine and so now they know that there's literally nothing stopping anything from happening tonight And I think there's that moment when their faces are kind of close. And this is obviously the moment where if he wasn't a priest and she wasn't married, they absolutely would kiss probably. Sure. And they're basically about to, but then we get, you know, pretty good like sitcom teen comedy moment where Father Phil becomes ill. Yes. You could almost say it was divine intervention. You really. could. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, uh, that, that occurred. Um, but... You can still sense and you get this feeling that she's a little disappointed of how it turned out. Yeah. But is do you feel like she was also, at the point that Father Phil throws up and he's now out of it, she calls Tony. She takes the time out just to call him. And from that standpoint, you could say, well, maybe she just felt a little guilty about what might have just happened. Yeah. Because she has obviously higher standards than Tony when he's right. on the phone with Irina. There's yeah. no guilt yeah. for the fact that he's made a huge mistake with this crazy one. <laughs> but for Carmela, nothing happened between her yeah. and Father Phil. It was leading up to it, but she's she. I think maybe she feels a little guilty and so calls Tony. Or, yeah, I mean, what's, what's the perfect way? Because I did think about that moment. I think that call to Tony was about, in a way reassuring herself that she had done or was doing the right thing, Mm. you know, because she's like, yeah, I'm being faithful to this guy. Let me just test to make sure he's being faithful too. And, Mm. you know, if he's out right now and if he doesn't pick up the phone, that means he's out and he's probably doing something that he shouldn't be doing. Gotcha. So, I think that's kind of what that mm, moment is a little about. Test, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying like, well, if I'm going to play by the rules, you better be too. And if you're not, well, then I'm okay not. Gotcha. Gotcha, yeah. Okay. But it's kind of an inopportune moment for Tony mm-hmm. to receive a phone call where no one's answering mm-hmm. on the other end. That's a really <laughs> great point. Yeah. I just thought about that. I was like, uh Yeah. And he doesn't do anything with it. He yeah. just kind of lies there and just is being pensive and mm-hmm. awake and can't really think about anything else well you actually kind of bring up a good little um nuance there that Mm. i noticed as i was watching this episode which is the fact that tony in a way is is a little bit arrogant about this cat and mouse game Mm. uh that he's in he it never really occurs to him if you notice that maybe uh febby is onto him right right never yeah tony only ever sees himself as the hunter and never the hunted and the funny thing is he actually is sort of being hunted too. Oh, absolutely. I made a note of the fact that in a weird kind of technical way, Febby actually wins because mm. he has Tony dead to rights that night at the motel. Yeah. He's got a massive pistol. <laughs> I mean, huge. Yeah. Comical. Yeah. <laughs> you expect like a little flag to come right. out that says bang. <laughs> Three on the foot other end. long pistol. Yeah. And he's got, yeah, he's got Tony like in his sights. Absolutely. Literally. 
uh, you know, if he really was like a hardcore murderer, he could have taken him out right there. Yeah. You know, uh, so I just thought that that was interesting. Of course, there's a couple mitigating factors, right? You know, Tony's um, bringing a staggering meadow into the uh, the motel, you know, so he's got his arm around his daughter. That's one thing. Uh, there's this other couple. There's the other couple going into the room next door. Yeah. And uh, Febby takes a lot of notice of that. You know, there's yeah. witnesses and it's like, OK, this is going to be a whole big thing. And so he does ultimately relent. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. It's like, yeah, Tony, Tony was vulnerable there. Like, if he had been dealing with more of a psychopath, like he would have died right there. Yeah, the guy would have just shot him. Yeah, and so he hires, or he attempts to hire people mm-hmm. um, that he's basically got under his thumb. Yeah, I guess they're just junkie losers yeah. that he sells drugs to. Tries to hire them to kill. Tony and Meadow just on the side of the road an hour out of town. They're not having it. And so now he's left to figure out how else he's going to deal with the situation. And we get to the kill. Mm -hmm. And in the fifth episode of our series, our hero murders somebody in broad daylight In broad daylight. not only like murders him, I mean, violently strangles him to death. Garrotes him. It's a very intimate, close contact murder. You know, we've never seen Tony kill yet in the series up until this point. Yep. Uh, he gets his hands dirty in this he, episode. He really does. Literally. Well, he tells Chris that it's it's his right. job to do this. Right. Um, and Chris is all gun-ho to, to do it for him, but Tony takes it as a personal matter. Yeah. This is something as in his position he has to do, um, which... Obviously, from our standpoint, killing is bad, but especially if you're the boss, killing can be uh, messy. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you don't want to expose yourself in that way. Yeah. I actually, I had a, the, I had a conversation with my friend Ken, who you know, and uh, we were talking about this episode, and he really likes this episode as well, and he made a really good point. I'm going to give him the credit for, for making this point before I, I thought of it, but this is really the birth of the birth of the anti-hero before this we didn't have a breaking bad a walter white those kind of characters whom we associated with being the protagonists the people that we're rooting for who also have this terrible streak Mm -hmm. i mean we didn't i don't know of any other show before the sopranos that really emphasized or who had such a lovable character that was also a murderer violent yeah yeah at least not on this scale for sure you know i mean Mm -hmm. i'm not like super knowledgeable about tv history up until this point you know with the sopranos sure but you know i think about a show like nypd blue what i remember is that you know you had dennis franz's character and he was kind of a scumbag but he was still on the right side of the law yes and you know he also had a partner who was like the good cop to his bad cop in a way to kind of balance them out. So I think that you did have characters like this, but you never had them get put front and center and committed to in such an unapologetic way of like, yeah, this Mm -hmm. is just it, man. This is, this is the heroes, the protagonist of our show. Uh, He's going to do and say a lot of really terrible things. But what is it about that? That, I mean, I find it very compelling. Yeah. You do too. Yeah. And I just, what is it about that? I guess it speaks to our human nature that we want 
we want to see yeah. from time to time the bad guy get away with bad things. Sure. I mean, I think that the impulse is uh, that in our day-to-day lives, right, you know, there's so many uh, humiliations and inconveniences mm-hmm. uh, that we have to suffer. You know, we have people and things that are obstacles, and, you know, sometimes you wish that you could just handle it uh, sure. in the way that a character like Tony handles it. You know, it's actually funny that you bring it up because... Uh, <laughs> this episode made me think about the Terminator, oddly hmm. enough, just in the way that uh, Tony and Febby are sort of tracking each other and right. going about it again in that very methodical way. It kind of sure. reminded me of Schwarzenegger in the first Terminator. It's interesting because I remember reading an interview with James Cameron, and he was saying, uh, some interviewer asked him, you know, why do you think the Terminator took off in such a big way? And he said, you know, I think it's because people sort of wish that they could be this character in a lot of ways. Like this guy Mm -hmm. doesn't have to play by the rules. He can just walk through any obstacle. He's totally unburdened uh, by conscience. You know what I mean? And Uh, any sort of social structures. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. There's sort of a fantasy there of like, yeah, what if I could just, just get what I wanted? I mean, it's the same sort of fantasy that comes into play when you're, um, you know, running through LA in GTA five or <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. Yes. The LA one. Yes. Uh, or any of those, you know, games in that series where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to blow this person's head off for no reason. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, there is an impulse there to do that. Yeah. But it's also funny that they add in those ducks flying overhead at the moment. He has this almost moment of peace and tranquility yeah. in the middle of this uh, wooded area. Back to the ducks. Yeah. Back to the ducks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, is it, at this point is that meant to represent like a a a sense of him feeling distanced from Meadow? You know, hmm. his his what what conscience he has is is catching up with him for a little bit. Not like he regrets doing what he did in any way, but just that there is a little bit of distance between him and well, his th- family. Yeah, I think what is even a bigger sign of that is the actual sign that he sees when they're in the college. <laughs> right. And the the sign basically reads, no man can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be true. Yeah. Yeah. Hawthorne quote. Mm-hmm. And they hit the nail on the head pretty hard right there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Uh, but to Tony, he's kind of looking at that. It's taking a really long time for it to set in for mm-hmm. him, but he has a moment of pause where he kind of feels like, is this, is this me? Am I struggling with this mm-hmm. myself? Well, it kind, the, of, kind of is. Yeah. And the overriding theme of this episode, again, it's just a very like, they, they let, they, they kind of just walked away from their sort of uh, subtext rich writing style in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it was just a very direct <clears throat> plot on both fronts. Carmela almost sleeps with a priest. Tony is hanging out with his daughter, but he's got to kill a man. Yeah. You know, these are just like plots with a capital P, you know, yeah. and a uh, major theme of this episode is honesty and truth. Mm-hmm. And that is such a big thing. You know, another thing that like made me laugh is that Tony and Meadow they have a lot of great scenes together, obviously, in this episode. They bond in a really big way. Uh, I think Tony tells at least one lie to Meadow in literally every single scene that they're in. Like, he just starts <laughs> he lying, and he never stops. Oh, it's yeah. just kind but of amazing. Especially when yeah. he drops her off, right. and he picks her up, right. and he has to make an excuse. 
it kind of harkens to her quick lying that she gives Carmela about mm-hmm. the the drugs that Christopher is giving her and mm-hmm. why he's there. Right. And he's just Tony is just has it all planned out. And even if he doesn't have what he's going to say, it comes to him right away. Mm-hmm. How to explain how he has mud on his shoes, how he has a cut mm-hmm. on his hand. Um, all those things. It's sort of chilling in a way. Mm. I mean, one thing that I noticed about that too is that it was kind of a dark bookend to the early scene in this episode when they're in the car and he says, Mm -hmm. yes, I do have these ties that are not legal and that's kind of where I get some of my income, et cetera. And she's like, you're always going to be honest with me. Right. And at the end saying... Here they are in the car again and it's just lie, 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 lie. (laughs) And the way that that earlier scene ended, you know, where they're both kind of feeling good and Meadows feeling kind of happy, like in this later, you know, in this this final scene, uh, between the two of them, really, uh, she's not satisfied. No, she's she's unhappy. She tells him she loves him, but... Not very right. satisfied. It's just not the same. Yeah. Uh, the the Hawthorne quote rem- just kind of reminded me, I think it was in the pilot of when he's discussing to Melfi how he has to be the sad clown who's smiling yeah. on the outside but crying on the inside. And he's still dealing with that duality of, of his life. Yeah. We got the last scene now. Right. Yeah. What did you what did you think of this last scene? Oh well, you know, it's uh it's great, you know, Carmela uh, doesn't try to keep Father Phil's sleeping over a secret whatsoever. You know, she jumps right into it. She just knows that whatever trouble there's going to be, it's going to be way, 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 way worse <laughs> if she says nothing. And ultimately, she has nothing to, to be ashamed of. Yeah. Uh, she did nothing wrong. But Tony plays yeah. it so funny. Like, like when he says, What'd you guys do for 12 hours? Play, uh, name that Pope? He gave me communion. Oh, I bet he gave you communion. Excuse me? Yeah, oh, I bet he slipped you away for you know. It's yeah. just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's sort of enjoying uh, oh, his moral high ground. Yeah, and then of course Carmela just rips that rug right from under him, right? You know, and, yeah, because he's yeah. he's really starting to get pissed. Yeah, and she just knows that it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. Jennifer called. Yeah. And it's just such a funny moment because yeah. it's like, oh, okay, this is just a normal yeah. husband and wife argument right. that any household can have. Yeah. And it's just hysterical as he's like chasing her down the hallway. Yeah. And he makes that one last movement to go up the stairs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed, but he kind of like slips. Absolutely. On the tiling yeah. of the floor. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so like, I don't know. It just, and I, I don't even think I've seen an episode of the honeymooners in my life, <laughs> but it just made me think about Gleason and yeah. just, it was just kind of like a silly, like, I think at the beginning of this, I was saying that there's a couple like sitcom type beats mm-hmm. from Gandolfini. And this was definitely one. Oh yes. The way he kind of chases after Carmela and we end the episode with him being like, Carm, it's just therapy. And he does that little yeah, slip just, on the rug. Just talk. Yeah. It's just sort of silly. And then, you know, Absolutely. we fade out on that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just funny. It's gold. Yeah. Jerry. <laughs> I think just discussing this episode, we kind of, I mean, we, we, I think we brought up some good points about how good this episode was, but again, it, it just kind of stands alone as its own little masterpiece within this series, the whole series. It's it's a standalone great. Yeah, it's contained. It's neat. There's not it's... much we had to say, really, is what I'm trying to say. We could have no. just we could have just turned on the mics and just sat here, and <laughs> yeah. people would have been like, "Yeah, I saw that episode. It was right. damn good." Yeah, it's nothing to say. It's just so. It's just 
justifiably a fan favorite. I think mm-hmm. it's in a lot of fans' top five. And uh, I know that, as I mentioned before, a lot of the uh, the writers and, and actors on the show really consider this to be a very memorable episode, uh, as it should be, because it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, that has been another episode of The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And we'll see you next week. In the meantime, if you're liking the show and you want to support it, there are many ways to do that. You can like us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, subscribe on iTunes. We're also now on Overcast and on SoundCloud, where you can find the last uh, two episodes, the latest episodes there. And uh, leave us your comments and, and reviews, and we'd love to hear from you and what you liked about this episode and any of the previous episodes. So, Hannibal, your favorite line from this episode? Yeah, well, you know, we usually pick funny moments we or do. You, know, you know, funny lines or whatever. Uh, my pick for this episode isn't really comedic. I just okay. thought it was a nice little bit of interaction, mm-hmm. and it's when um, Tony is finally caught Febby. He's groating him. Yeah. And uh, Febby basically tries to beg for his life, of course, saying like, oh, you know, I saw you at the motel. Your daughter was drunk. I relented because I was like, oh, he's just taking his daughter to college or whatever. Mm-hmm. Tony's not having it. And he has what to me is a great line. Or he's just like, you know, one thing about us wise guys, the hustle never ends. That was my favorite line. Oh, really? That was the one I was going <laughs> to say. Funny. This was not pre-discussed, by this the way. This was definitely not pre-discussed. Uh, cause I wouldn't be this excited, but yeah, that was the exact same one because I felt like it, it spoke to what we mentioned about these guys go into this guerrilla warfare, like spy mode mm-hmm. where they, it, it never stops for them. Mm-hmm. They always, that thing in their brain switches. And that was a good line there of just like, yeah, the hustle never ends. Yeah. And Tony knows it. It's not going to stop you. It's going to kill you. Bye.